G'day, I'm Sean and welcome to the Car Expert Podcast. As promised, we are live from India and I've got Paul Marrick sitting here. G'day, Paul, how you doing? Hello, mate. Uh, how good is this? It is uh, hot. It is uh, 29 degrees. <laughs> and it's noisy as well. We're right next to uh, a road here. We're in Chennai, actually, for... Uh, actually, we're doing some top secret stuff. We're doing a tour of a proving ground and uh, a research center as well. So it should be should be good fun. We'll have more on that next week. Yes, yeah, so um, enjoy the Atmos. Uh, and if you are listening, um, yes, all that sound, that's just, that's, as we learned very quickly today, that's just the standard road noises here in India. Um, we actually only got in a couple of hours ago. Uh, we were meant to get here earlier, but we had uh, an interesting journey. <laughs> we had rat issues. We had a rat. There was a rat on our plane, and then it decided to sit under my seat. So they had to pull the plane back into the uh, parking bay, like get everyone off the plane, and then uh, find us another plane. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite eventful. Yeah. Um, and then because of Victorian roadworks, uh, we almost missed the flight as well. So comedy of errors. It's been, so been a long 29 hours or whatever we're going on now. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about India just quickly because uh, you know, I remember a Top Gear special of India many years ago, and I thought, wow, the roads look crazy there. But that did not do it justice at all. When we actually got on the roads in our taxis here, it was a whole other level. Yes, um, so I've been here before, and I was blown away with uh, the organised chaos, the horn honking and just everything that's going on. You think you're going to have 10 different accidents every minute, but they seem to have it all under control. It does get a bit more subdued on the bigger highways and stuff when you're away from cities and, and bigger sort of built up areas. But um, my hat goes off to Indian drivers for just having a good read on what is going on around them. It's truly phenomenal because there, there's road markings, there's speed limit signs, there's other vehicles, and just none of it matters. They just do whatever they want to do, but yeah. somehow it all just works. You know what I did think today though? Um, bring a Tesla here with full self-driving, switch it on, and just see what it does. Yeah, I don't think it'll go anywhere. <laughs> well, this is a country where autonomy just will not work because it's so unpredictable. It's so sort of uh, dynamic and chaotic that an autonomous car would have absolutely no idea what to do. So uh, India, you are safe from autonomous cars yes. for the moment. <laughs> yes, and um, Melbourne, you really should come to India and, and see how they do it. You might learn a thing or two, make you slightly better drivers. Um, Unlikely. Or, or not, as we learned the other night. Uh, all right, so we're here in India. Um, we're going to actually have a bit of a rundown on that next week on what we're doing. So make sure you're subscribed and come back and check that out because next Monday the 4th, we're allowed to talk about it. So we will actually have a full, uh, not a full episode, but a fair bit of detail on what we're doing. Um, but a big thing that happened this week was uh, they announced the pricing for the Mitsubishi Triton, which has been a long time coming. And I think we we're all a bit scared it would be really expensive after Ranger came out, but not not so much in the end. Yeah, look, I thought it was going to be significantly more expensive. Um, our story went live uh, after we uh, released some pricing on New Zealand's Triton pricing. We were pretty surprised with how cheap it is over there. There is no sort of like-for-like -like match with Australia, so it didn't quite match up. But uh, the headline act is that Triton kicks off with GLX 4x2 uh, from 43690 which is an increase of 3250 bucks. And then it goes all the way up to 63840 for the GSR 4x4, which is an increase of just under seven grand. Now, it is a big step up, but it does come with a lot more technology. You've got a, an engine that has now twin turbocharging. It's got 470 newton meters of torque. You've got a bigger infotainment system. You've got a whole lot more tech inside the cabin. Carry over with an updated version of the Super Select four-wheel drive system. Um, 
I will actually be driving this uh, literally the morning after I land back from India. Uh, we're going to be driving the new Triton uh, in an off-road setting, so I'll be able to talk more about that once the embargo lifts. But um, keen for everyone's feedback, what do you reckon about the pricing of Triton? Do you think it is getting up there? Uh, I did have a concern that they were going to price it too high and try and compete with Ranger and Hilux. That doesn't appear to have happened, and instead they've really just slotted it in there uh, between, I guess, the Chinese entrance and, and where you find the sort of Ranger and Hilux pricing. It is interesting that top spec is uh, it's around that $65,000 mark, and we had a long-term XLT Ranger for a while that was about 72, and that's a mid-spec. We obviously yet to see how the Triton actually stacks up to it, but from a value proposition, that seems like remarkably good value. And I think that's always been the thing that Triton's been quite good at, where it's good bang for buck. It's got, yeah, it's probably the tow rating could be better, but you know, it's well, got it's the three power. and a half tons now. Yeah, so, well, they're up to um, that. But I'll be curious to see what, what it actually feels like towing. And uh, it is unique in the segment in having a 10 year warranty as well. So you don't find that in the competitors. And I think that prevents, that rather presents a compelling argument because all of a sudden you've got a ute that you can drive for work and have a 10 year warranty on it. I think it's pretty good, so. Yeah, uh, what do you think of the looks? Because I think, I know a lot of people will divide on how they look. Look, styling is subjective, and based on what we've seen on the new Navara, I think that that, to me, looks a little bit better. Uh, but uh, I'll be interested to see what it's like in person. I've seen it a couple of times now. I want to see it out on the road in the light. It's all been in studios and, and under lights uh, that I have actually seen it. So be curious to see what it actually looks like when it's driving down the road or when it's off-road and doing sort of more interesting stuff. Certainly, I love some of the concepts they had at, uh, in Thailand when we went to the reveal of this. They had some of the Thai-specific market vehicles there on display, and they were unreal. So they had all sorts of stuff, including people carriers. They had a refrigerated version. Uh, it really was quite cool to see what, what sort of concepts they'd come up with. And have we got any uh, word, because I know at, the, at that launch you went to, there was a whole bunch of TJM products with them. Have we got any official confirmation in Australia of any sort of accessories that are going to come with it? Yeah, so look, TJM is working on stuff in Australia. Um, it was a bit of a surprise to everyone uh, to see TJM accessories on Triton product at the tyre reveal. Uh, certainly Mitsubishi Australia had no idea about it and they were one of the, the homerooms for this product. So, um, But I am curious to see what they come up with and how it integrates and how it's priced. So I'm hoping it's a similar concept to what Ford has with ARB where you can go to the dealership, you pay your money, they fit it, it it's covered by your factory warranty. That concept seems to work really well because it's a one-stop shop. You don't need to then worry about anything else. So let's see if they do that. I hope they do uh, because it'll really improve that as a value proposition. We'll keep an eye on the channel. Next couple of weeks, we're going to have a, a rundown on that. It's Paul's going to drive it and tell us all about it. We're all quite excited to hear how that goes. And if you are considering a Mitsubishi Triton, well, it's probably a good time to get in early because I think there's going to be a lot of demand for them. Uh, so if you do want to uh, do that, head to Google and type in Help Me Car Expert. We can connect you with a range of dealers across the country, a lot of Mitsubishi dealers. They could probably get you on the early list for a Mitsubishi Triton. Or if you want to run out model, they've probably got a bunch of them lying around too. Well, actually, a guy uh, at our Melbourne Open Day uh, a couple of months ago now, he actually came up to me and said, what do you reckon about the current Triton? And I said, you know, there's a new one coming. And uh, he goes, yeah, I know, uh, but I want the current one. I just want simple. I don't want all the tech and all the ga uh, gizmos and gadgets and stuff. So if that's you, um, yeah, help me car expert and see if we can get you a deal on one of those because there's plenty of stock around. And I think now that the new one's coming, you're going to have them in run out and people are really going to be jumping all over them. Mm. So definitely check that out. Google help me car expert. And if you do use it, leave a comment. Let us know. How was the experience? Because we'd love to hear some feedback about it. Uh, so Paul, there was an interesting story that came out Oh, it was in the last couple of days about uh, hospitals telling their staff not to charge their EVs at work. But you're an EV owner. Mm. Um, 
begrudgingly, I guess. It's my wife's car. <laughs> it's your wife's car. Um, it's your name on the title, but it's your wife's <laughs> car, yes. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this. And I guess I know that you also had a, a big role in putting in electric charging infrastructure in your apartment building yep. as well. So maybe you can fill us all in about that. So uh, this is basically a report that's come out saying that Monash Health, which is a, a health facility in Victoria, has told its staff that it's banning the charging of electric vehicles uh, on its premises within in enclosed spaces. And um, it said that Monash Health employees must immediately stop charging their personal light electric vehicles or electric vehicles within the confines of Monash Health sites, including all car parking areas. Um, now, this is interesting because there's, there's this hysteria at the moment about electric car fires. And compared to internal combustion cars, there are significantly less electric car fires. And where an electric car fire is a big risk is when it's lithium ion, and that is where you're susceptible to thermal runaway, and they're very hard to put out. In fact, they're almost impossible to put out in an efficient way without having to use a lot of water to well, stop. They dig a hole in the ground and fill it up with foam and water. And Pretty stuff. much. And then if you're in an enclosed space, uh, such as a hospital, obviously if one of these catches on fire, it's a big problem because you've got people in the hospital. Uh, and then further to that, it's very hard to get the vehicle out of the hospital to also, uh, if it's in an enclosed car park, to then put it out as well. So uh, these are some concerns. The difference though is that if you have a look at a vehicle such as an LFP powered battery, which you'll find in entry level Tesla models, for example, and, and other uh, Chinese brands as well, these are not as susceptible to thermal runaway, which means if there is a fire adjacent or in that product, it is less likely to cause a bigger concern. And the hysteria comes around all the fires that are happening at the moment with e-scooters and electric bikes. So there was one the other day where a family lost their home because the e-bike that they bought and was charging overnight caught on fire, it had a lithium ion battery, set half their bloody house on fire and they, they uh, lost everything. So it's issues like that that I think are very valid and that people need to look at. Cars though, if you look at an e-bike compared to a car, people can plug up whatever charger they want to it. There's probably less scrutiny around the safety of these things, whereas with a car, it's a very different story. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that the media likes to get in and, and have a dig at electric cars whenever there's a fire, but you know, I mean, there's internal combustion engines are probably more susceptible to fire because if a fuel line leaks and goes onto an exhaust, yeah. up she goes. Now, there was an interesting story out of Sydney Airport a couple of months ago where uh, a car caught fire. <laughs> under the air traffic control tower of all places, which shut down the airport and caused yep. usual pandemonium. But from my understanding, that car had been, in, it was a rental car, it had been in an accident, they'd parked it there and disconnected the battery. Why? We, we don't really know, but one would assume that the only way for that fire to then ignite and then have the issue is that there was damage to the battery, right? Like, they, they don't just catch fire for fun. Is this concern, are these concerns unfounded or is it, is it just a lack of education? I don't think they're unfounded. I mean, it is a fact that a lithium ion battery, when it ignites, it has thermal runaway and it's very hard to put out. So that's, that's a fact. Um, how often does it happen? Not very often, but is it a concern? Yes, and, and it would be a concern for any car to catch on fire. If you have an internal combustion car catch on fire next to others, it will then eventually get all of them and then without a huge amount of water, you're not going to put it out. So it is all definitely still a concern. It's just, I, I really do hope there is a smart person looking at how we stop these fires. Is there a material out there that is kryptonite to a, an electric vehicle fire? Um, because banning them, yes, it's a short-term solution, 
but longer term if EVs are where everyone is heading. This isn't a solution. You still need to be able to charge these things in confined spaces. So uh, yeah, we went through a lot of this when we were trying to retrofit EV chargers at our apartment building with load managers. Uh, but one of the things that came up was the, the body corporate, uh, the owners committee company, uh, basically suggested that people shouldn't be charging electric vehicles within apartment buildings until there is some kind of a, a, a guidance from the government around it. So yeah, it is an interesting space. I'm keen to see how it pans out, but um, you know, it is something that I hope that people are looking at and we can come up with a solution for because banning it is definitely not the answer. Speaking of electric car, we touched on it last week because we were talking about the MG4X power, uh, which I just want to point out, I found it quite humorous that the V8 supercars on the weekend in Adelaide, they had big MG4 branding at the V8s. Bold I, marketing you choice, know. you never know. Um, I could imagine top of the mountain in Bathurst in a few years would just be MG4s well, parked everywhere. I mean, it's one of the few cars you can buy on the V8 supercar grid. <laughs> Don't buy a Camaro, that's, so. That's true, that's Maybe go true. buy an MG4 X-Power. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, we, we touched on very lightly how we did a drag race with the BMW yes. i7 M70. Um, and I know you're pulling up some, some numbers yes. now, but you were in the MG4 X-Power yes. for those drag races. Just from your perspective, how was that car in those drag races? It goes like shit off a shovel. It is very fast. I, I was actually not expecting it to be as fast as it is. Um, you plant the throttle and it just slaps you back in the seat like nothing else. Uh, you've got a launch control mode. It is quite impressive as a straight line performance vehicle. We actually did a full review on the X-Power with uh, some more dynamic driving as well. So if you do want to watch that, you can click up on the card that's on the screen. But that showed that it probably has still a few flaws that need to be ironed out. So that's things like uh, the torque vectoring system doesn't work very well, uh, or it's the uh, electronic diff lock that's interfering with stability control. It's, it just needs a little bit of work when it's cornering and you're on the throttle. Put all that stuff to the side, it is incredibly quick and very good value for money. So uh, we did this drag race thinking, well, Look, I mean, no one's cross-shopping these two cars, but we had them both at the same time. We saw the acceleration figures and we thought, it'd be fun to disappoint a German. <laughs> and that kind of happened, right? It, well, very briefly, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we did, um, so did a number of runs in comfort mode, as in you've just pulled up at the lights, you don't want to go too nuts, you can just hit the throttle. It actually bet the BMW across our drag strip. So that was pretty impressive. And we ended up logging a zero to 100 time in the X power of 3.92 seconds and a time of 3.87 seconds in the i7. And over the quarter mile, the X power was 12.31 seconds and the i7 was 12.08. When we actually used launch control in the i7's boost function, it actually got off the line uh, slightly quicker and over our, our sort of eighth, slightly longer than eighth mile distance, it actually picked up and started accelerating away ever so slightly. So it was close, but the BMW had it in the end. I seem to recall, well, it was a long time ago now, but Arnold Schwarzenegger had seven Humvees and he had one for each day of the week. That's pretty much what you could do. You could have that many MG4 X powers for one BMW i7, and you can have a Humvee <laughs> too. And you've offset the Humvee, well, you probably haven't offset the no, Humvee, let's be honest. Never happen. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's curious because in the three races we won, two of them were won by the i7, but it wasn't by much. Like it was, there was a nose, maybe three, three quarters of a car. Like, like it was absolutely nothing. And I know you're looking at them from two very different angles generally, but from a performance standpoint, would you pick the i7 over the MGX power purely from performance? Ah, look, I mean, you have to put it into perspective such that the i7 weighs 2.7 tonnes or thereabouts and the MG4 is like 1.8 tonnes. Um, the other thing that I found profoundly frustrating with the MG4 
it uses the smaller battery and as a result of that we drove uh, from my place to the proving ground is about 100 kilometers and then uh, basically the, the vehicle before I handed it back to Scott and he had to figure out how to charge it at the proving ground um, he, I ended up getting it down to like five percent battery left after doing some hot laps and the drag races so we ended up doing less than 200 kilometers of driving in this vehicle and it was empty 100 k's of that was pretty static not static but pretty sort of basic highway driving so you're only really getting 100 kilometers worth of hard performance driving so don't have it in your mind that you're going to be able to go to a racetrack fang it and then drive home it's not that type of car i am hoping they go for a version of this with the bigger battery because that will then end up in this actually being potentially a whole sportier option that you could potentially compared to something like a Model 3 Performance. And look there, I mean, it's priced bang on the money for that. So like, what, you're undercutting the Model 3 Performance by 20 grand, yep. thousand dollars, like that's... I gotta say though, that i7 is a rocket ship. <laughs> I mean, yes. the, the fact it can move so fast weighing as much as it does, uh, and then it picks up, it, it, it's, it it's is like, like a... It's like a boat, it's like a power boat. It, it is really so is. cool. Yeah. Um, we've, we've done a bit more with the i7, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel for that because we've got a really cool video where we pitted it against its petrol, uh, Brother, sibling twin, I yeah. guess, petrol twin, uh, and actually did a road trip to see which was better, petrol or electric. So subscribe for that. That is coming soon uh, with the wonderful Joe Achilles joining us on that trip. So that's and that, really that was cool. actually the, the results. We just finished recording the results on that one as well. The results were very surprising because it was yeah. petrol versus electric. You would assume that the petrol is going to cost significantly more to drive over a 900 kilometer distance than the electric vehicle. Uh, but watch the video yes, yes. stick around for that you'll be surprised yeah it's, it's going to be a cool little video um and uh, yeah if you've seen our previous video we did diesel versus ev um a lot of people were not happy with that because we used two different cars we we took all that on board and we took the same cars and ran them up the world's most boring road on the day there was an optus outage as well yeah, so yes. watch how that affected my uh because I was in the electric car, watch how that affected my uh, nerves. Yes, so stick around for that. Um, we are going to talk more about that when it does come out because I've got some points I want to bring up about the Australia's electric charging infrastructure, which uh, I think pretty much says it all. It's, just, it's not as good as it should be. It's probably better than it is here in India at the moment, though, to be fair. I did say one electric charger on the side of the road. Well, yeah, it was, it was just an extension cable coming out of a Well, shop. actually, I did also see a Tata Nexon EV, I think it was. Oh. That thing looked really cool. So. Um, yeah, I, I want to put actually a couple of cars before we wrap this up because we're just keeping it short today because we are remote. But um, we saw a couple of really cool cars that we do not get in Australia. So uh, one of the ones that I saw was a Hyundai i20 Magna. I think Mitsubishi might have something to say <laughs> about that. Um, and also an i20 Sports, which yep. none of them seemed very sporty yep. in the way they were being driven. Uh, and the one that really stood out to me was uh, the, oh, the MG Hector. The MG Hector Plus internet inside yes. internet inside <laughs> yes. the vehicle i presume i guess we'll put a picture on the screen of it but um yeah just it's remarkable the, the difference in the cars and like no big cars here uh, definitely no v8s getting around the place it's remarkable the, the the way it all works yeah i just i just cannot have enough respect for the way that they drive here it is yeah. quite impressive so yeah so yeah but we're gonna have a lot of stuff coming from india in the near future so make sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel and uh next week we are going to talk more about uh what we've been doing here in india so uh whatever for eating some indian food yeah. I bloody love indian food yeah I'm, I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> of that around here <laughs> so uh we'll, we're gonna go and see if we can find paul some dinner now because he's very very hungry um Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, leave us a rating because uh, we, we'd like to hear back from you. We'd like to hear what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like us to change. Uh, leave us a, a comment on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. 
Uh, am I missing anything there, Paul? Just some Indian food. Just some Indian food. Which all I'm right. very keen to go and get. All right, we're going to go find Paul a nice curry, and uh, we will see all you guys next week back in the Melbourne studio. Thanks for watching.